This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Fay Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What's going on, everybody? I'm Rob Fay. Welcome to your Monday edition of Sports Bar Radio, 27th day of September. A little bit overcast here in the lower mainland of Vancouver, and I hope this finds you well. Is it called the lower mainland of Vancouver? I think it's the lower mainland, and I'm in Vancouver. Anyways, we'll figure it out. It's Monday. What do you expect? <laughs> We've got a lot to get to. I think that's part of the reason that I'm a little rattled right now is I'm looking at the Rolodex of all the different sports I'm going to talk about before this is done. Uh, everything from boxing in the UFC. We're going to touch on the CFL, the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, and much more. We're going to talk about the Ryder Cup and all of that stuff. NBA, WNBA. Let's get to it, shall we? There is one story. And it's more of an opinion, but there's one thing that I heard from Shohei Otani that I thought, boy, I could have swore I heard the same thing from a guy in Vancouver, and yet they got two completely different reactions. Let me get you to that one story that rises above all of the rest. And man, it's got to be a big story to get to the top on this day, but I'd love your opinion. Hit me up on Twitter at Rob Fay, R-O-B-F as in Frank A-I. Let me know what you think of this opinion. Let me get you to the lead. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. It is really all a matter of perspective. This past weekend, Shohei Otani might have just locked up the American League MVP. And this isn't a knock on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or everybody that was chasing Shohei. He just did it on the mound. He did it at the plate one more time. But here's something that came from the weekend that I kind of tried to put in a Vancouver perspective, if you will. How am I going to locate Shohei Otani and Vancouver and put them side by side? Work with me for a second. So this past weekend, Shohei doing everything he can to help the Angels at least have a little bit of credibility and respectability. Mike Trout not having a good season because of the injury bug. And a very deep Angels team still nowhere near the top of baseball's conversation. But Shohei Otani, through his translator, said, quote, I love the fans, I love the atmosphere of the team, but I want to win. That is the biggest thing for me. I will leave it at that. So Shohei Otani comes forward and basically says, listen, man, I want to win, which is basically saying to the ownership, go out and get some players to get us to the promised land. You got Mike Trout, but you've got money. You got this beautiful city that we play in. Go and get me a winner. Sound familiar? I remember when Elias Pedersen came forward and said something very similar, how he was chastised. And Elias Pedersen's name, as this holdout goes on, I'm going to see how tough and how strong it really is. Because everything that Elias has done previous to this offseason has been Teflon. You can't get a word in without people immediately snapping back at you on Elias Pedersen. You could do no wrong. But when you think of what he said and how that was received, and when you think of the holdout and how that is being received by a slight handful, but enough that it is on the radar, I always wonder about a, quote, double standard. And it's funny because Shohei Otani's got everybody in La La Land saying, yeah, go out and build a winner. And yet when we hear it in Vancouver, immediately it goes right down Broadway where some support him. But there's always a faction of fans that don't want to hear it. 
So what do you think? When an athlete says, quote, I want to win, do you take it as just him saying, come on guys, rah, rah, rah? Or do you take it as a direct shot at your general manager and your ownership to buck up and find a way to win? Baseball and hockey are so different. You can spend until the cows come home with baseball. You just got to pay a luxury tax to do it. Not everybody wants to pay that upgrade to have those players. But in hockey, it's a little bit different. If Elias Patterson says he wants to win, I think the problem that we had with it is that we knew we couldn't because we didn't have the flexibility to go out and do it. So let me focus on Elias Patterson right here. Because again, remember in baseball, you can spend, 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 you gotta pay a tax, but man, you can go out and spend a billion dollars if you want to. That is how the game is set up. But in hockey, you don't have that luxury. It's a capped league. Which means when you say the exact same thing that Shohei Otani said, you're held to a different accountability. Because if you know that your ownership, because of your GM, is hamstrung financially and aren't going to be able to make the moves that they want to, maybe in this moment, make you, quote, a winner, then that kind of comes back at you. Especially when you're holding out for more money. And I'm not saying that Elias Pettersson is a bad guy by any stretch of the imagination, but what I'm saying is when to go and when not to go. And the fact that Elias Pettersson came out and said, and I think he meant it, he was coming from a good place. He's like, hey, I want to play for a winner. But when you look at the way that the Canucks are currently built financially, they can't do that. Even after dumping all of those bad contracts in Arizona and watching Jake Vertanen go to parts unknown, they still brought back as much money, or at least in the vicinity of the same dollar figure that they had before. And then they went out and they got Pullman. And they went out and they made signings that we all just chastised because those signings are apparently the reason that the two big guys aren't getting theirs. But when you say publicly that you want to win, well then you're either going to have to eat some of it on your own accord, or you're going to have to keep your mouth closed. Baseball's interesting. Because it's one of those things where I think eventually they're going to price themselves right out of the market. There are going to be billion-dollar teams and half-billion-dollar contracts before long. I don't know how they can possibly continue on the trajectory that they're on. But you know what? They're on it, and everybody's getting fed, everybody's getting paid, everybody's getting fat. And you know what? When Shohei Otani says, I want to win, well, guess what, brother? Brother. He can say that because the Angels have the opportunity to go out and do that. But isn't it amazing? When you hear one person say it, how well it's received, and when you hear somebody else say it, also a star, on his respective team say the exact same thing, how everybody just kind of steps back and says, come on, man. Elias Patterson still got a lot of Teflon on that 40 jersey. But as he holds out, and as the Vancouver Canucks come to the reality of what their current situation is, which isn't a lot better than it was even a couple of years ago, you gotta wonder if there are players in this organization they can truly afford to say that they want to play for a winner. All right, let's look at the rest of the world of sports. This might have been one of the busiest weekends I could remember. We might even talk about Sue Bird playing her final game of the WNBA. We're going to talk about the Ryder Cup. We're going to talk about a, I don't want to call it a stunning upset when it comes to the world of boxing, but I didn't see it. We'll talk about the Octagon. We'll talk about the wildcard playoff in both the American and National League. We're going to talk about week three in the NFL, like I said. You might want to buckle up because I am going to go speed through this one. We got some highlights. We've got about 17 different sports to get to. You wanted a podcast that got you caught up in the world of sports? You could have not picked a better day to join Sports Bar Radio. Let me get you to that one room where we house it all. Let me get you into the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? 
guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time. So get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. All right, let's start with the National Football League. Week three is now in the books, aside from the Monday Nighter, which will come up a little bit later tonight. But let's look back on a few games that I think had some great storylines. Remember a couple of weeks ago when everybody was absolutely kicking Aaron Rodgers for not being interested? Since that lopsided week one loss to the Saints, the Packers have been big boys. They were down with 40 seconds to go in San Francisco. 49ers looking to stay perfect. Aaron Rodgers got to work. They sent four. Seven back. Rodgers fires over the middle. Caught Adams. Adams will try to get out of bounds. He's at the 49-yard Rodgers fires, caught, Crosby to try to win it, and the kick is good to win the game. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers finishes pretty respectable, 23-33 of for 261, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He had a pretty good week for you fantasy guys. Aaron Jones on the ground, he was a reason that Aaron Rodgers was able to get loose. He had a great game, 19 carries, 82 yards. And uh, again, in San Francisco, very tough place to win. They got the job done. Jimmy G, 25 of 40, 257 through the air, couple of touchdowns and a pick. Both these teams now at 2-1. and one. All right, let's talk Seattle, who last year in the first half of the season got all of the bounces. They built up enough credit that even when they stumbled to the finish line, it was still good enough to get them into the postseason. Well, they go into their game against Minnesota yesterday with a record of 1-1, one and, one, and you you're not really sure what you're going to get from Minnesota this year. Sometimes they can put together big games, sometimes they scuffle. But Russell Wilson, despite going 23-32 for 298 and a touchdown, uh, yeah, they just couldn't get much going and they couldn't stop Minnesota. Kirk Cousins, 30-38 for 323, three touchdowns through the air, and more than anything, finished with a 115-plus passer rating, which says everything you need to know about the Seahawks' defense. This is going to be an issue for Seattle this year. They just can't seem to stop the opposition. When it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. Jason Myers missing a field goal for the first time since Week 9 of 2019. How about this? Myers, the kicker for Seattle, had made 37 straight field goals prior to missing in their game against Minnesota. Well, if you want to talk about one team in the National Football League that looks like they've been resuscitated, Las Vegas Raiders are now 3-0 after a 31-28 overtime victory over the Miami Dolphins. And the Raiders got numbers on their side. First team in NFL history to win each of their first three games against teams with 10 or more wins the prior season. And the Raiders, they were throwing it up big time. Derek Carr, 26 of 43 for 386 yards. Had himself a couple of touchdowns, one interception. Peyton Barber, big on the ground, 23 carries for 111 yards. Top receiver Brian Edwards, three receptions for 89 yards. One thing I did not see coming this NFL season, at least through three weeks, Kansas City loses for the second time in three games. They fall to one and two, falling 30-24 to to the Los Angeles Chargers. That was in Kansas City. Justin Herbert did it all. 26-38 for 281 yards. Four touchdowns through the air. Outplayed Patrick Mahomes. 
27 of 44 for 260, three touchdowns, but a couple of picks, and that was the difference in this game. So let's take a look at the standings now that the dust is settling on the third week of the NFL season. Arizona and the Rams in the NFC West are still undefeated. Both teams at 3-0. The Seahawks pulling up the rear. One win and two losses. Green Bay with their win. 2-1 in the NFC North. They are atop the division. Chicago had a dreadful game this past Sunday. Minnesota with their win. Keeps them a game back in the pack. Detroit still looking for their first win of the season. Not much to say about the NFC East thus far. 1-1 one one for Philadelphia, Dallas at 1-1, one one, the Washington football team at 1-2, and, and the Giants, even after retiring Eli Manning's number 10, still looking for their first victory of the season. Carolina undefeated. Boy, they look good. They look really good right now. 3-0, one game better than Tampa Bay and New Orleans, Atlanta at 1-2. To the American Football Conference, Tennessee all alone atop the AFC South at 2-1. Houston Texans at 1-2. Both Indianapolis and Jacksonville winless, a combined 0-6. Buffalo at 2-1, best team in the AFC East. The AFC West has two teams still undefeated in the Las Vegas Raiders and the Denver Broncos. The Chargers a game off the pace. Boy, that's a tough division. Kansas City through three weeks is in last place at 1-2, but you no, that's not going to stay the way that it is. And in the AFC North, it is a three-horse race. Cincinnati coming off a win in Week 3, joining Baltimore and Cleveland. All those teams at 2-1. Pittsburgh, the lone team, with just the one victory. All right, to the Canadian Football League. We didn't get to report on the Friday games because we had already done our show, but let's recap what happened both in Toronto and in British Columbia. Toronto in an absolute nail-biter, getting past the Alouettes 30-27, and the British Columbia Lions. They had an early lead, but Saskatchewan came roaring back. It's supposed to be the other way around. The Rough Riders getting past the Leos 31-24, and that gives the Rough Riders sole possession of second place in the West Division. And really quickly, wanted to circle back on something we can now put a bow on. BC Lions defensive back Gary Peters has been suspended for one game due to verbal abuse and unacceptable behavior towards doping control officers. That suspension is effective immediately. Can't imagine what he would have said. All right, let's go to the diamond. And I'm telling you right now, the wild card is the best thing to happen to baseball in 20, 30, 40 years. Right now in the American League, you've got three teams separated by two games, four teams separated by three games if you want to throw the Mariners into the mix. The Yankees, the hottest team of the entire group, they won their sixth in a row. Giancarlo Stanton leading the way in Beantown. Stanton! And a cement mixer slider that did not do anything. Another towering ballistic blast. And then look at the bat flip. I was in Yankee Stadium not long ago when they were in the postseason against the Minnesota Twins. What was that, like a year and a half ago? And Giancarlo Stanton was getting booed in the Bronx. It's amazing to me how quickly he's been able to turn his career around. I shouldn't say turn his career around. He's always been an elite player. But he just got off to a slow start with the Yankees. But boy, did they need him now. And his numbers, he had 10 RBIs over the course of the weekend. I mean, that doesn't happen to many players. And he is a big part of the reason right now that the Yankees have won six in a row and essentially control their own destiny. And the Blue Jay pitching knows what is coming into Rogers Center in just a few hours' time. I mentioned that the Blue Jays have an off day today. Then they have three against the Yankees and three against Baltimore. All six of those games are in Toronto. That's the good news. 
The bad news is that they wake up today two games back of the Yankees, a game back of Boston. Here's how this plays out for all three of these teams. And Mariners fans, don't worry, I know you're still a part of the conversation. Boston has to go on the road for all six of their games, but they are going to Baltimore for three and then just down the street to Washington to play the Nationals for three. The Yankees, well, they get Toronto in Toronto, and then they go home to play Tampa Bay. Now, Tampa Bay is a division leader. They're the champions of the American League East. But you got to wonder if they're going to be resting some of their guys. You have to wonder if there is potential that they'd also be setting their rotation. So I would imagine that the hardest is probably Toronto. And the reason that I say this is even though they have Baltimore at home, which should be three easy victories, when you've got to look up at teams, those games aren't easy. When you're up a game then you got a little wiggle room. So Toronto, I asked this on Twitter the other day at Rob Fay, R-O-B-F as in Frank A-I. I said, how many wins will it take for the Jays to get in? Gave me the option of six, five, four. 58% of you said it will take a five and one record to leapfrog Boston and get into that final playoff spot. That means Boston has to go three and three or four and two. You know what I smell? I smell a one game play-in to get to the one game play-in. Wouldn't that be something? And the beauty of this is that this is exactly what baseball wants. Two amazing heritage brands going neck and neck with the opportunity to play for the postseason. It might be a one and done, but right now the Yankees in the driver's seat, I think they're going to take one of those two spots. I think that the Blue Jays are in really tough right now because of that series against New York. Now, if they can somehow win two of those three games, you got yourself a ball game but they have to win at least two of those three ball games. They don't, and this party's over. Isn't it fun, though? All right, let's move on to basketball, and yeah, I have this conversation all the time, man. You know, you've probably heard me say this, but one of the bright young lights in the NBA is Zion Williamson, who has, in my estimation, despite nearly going off for 26 a game, on 60% shooting over his first two seasons, I mean, those are great, great numbers for any player, much less a rookie but the injuries are a problem. Zion Williamson suffered a broken foot during his summer, but he will be available according to the Pelicans for the regular season. This coming from their basketball operations VP David Griffin saying, quote, he had a fractured right foot that was repaired surgically. His timeline should get it back on the court in time for the regular season. That would be our hope and our view. We are very optimistic about what that looks like. Now, let's do the Rolodex of Zion injuries going right back to when he played at Duke. Now, Shoegate, with the old shoe, when we busted on the court and he ended up missing some time, that's not on him. But he has been snake-bitten with injuries. He had just 24 games in his rookie season, didn't make his debut until January because he had that knee injury. That kept him out 13 weeks. And last season, it ended early because of a thumb injury. This is the poster boy for the next generation when it comes to the National Basketball Association. Nike's gone big on him. They've got the whole Zion line of shoes. There is a lot waiting for Zion. But Zion somehow has to get healthy. Remember Jordan early on? What was it his second season and he got injured and he missed some time and then came back and was guns blazing and then became... Michael Jordan, I really hope that Zion, and I'm not going to use the word bust, it's completely unfair, but I, I hope he realizes his full potential. That would, and Not every athlete gets a chance to do it, even though they're highly touted, but I do hope that Zion, who would be great for the game, can get it right. 
Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets missing their media day because he didn't have his COVID-19 requirement. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, and, and we know how this goes in Vancouver, issued an executive order that required New York City area pro athletes to show proof of at least one vaccine if they wanted to practice or play in the city, and Kyrie and his personal decision, he has yet to do so. Now there's a little bit of time, a little bit of wiggle room here, as they don't start their preseason until October the 8th when they take on the Lakers, but you gotta remember this is a big piece of the puzzle here for Brooklyn, Kyrie not attending media day at the Barclays Center because he did not adhere to the New York City COVID-19 protocols. Well, another city that is under the spotlight when it comes to their training camp, the Philadelphia 76ers, Ben Simmons not reporting to camp. And it was interesting because Coach Doc Rivers said that nobody has defended Simmons more than he has, and he will enter camp, quote, with hopes that he will have been at some point. Simmons has $147 million left on the table. He's got four years on his contract. Simmons could be suspended or fined for each day that he misses camp. Imagine trying to pass up on $147 million because your feelings are hurt and you didn't feel that people repped you. All right, to golf, and it was a really lopsided affair. I said this last week. I said this is one of the best U.S. teams that they've sent in probably a decade, and boy, did it show. United States absolutely hammering Europe at the Ryder Cup this past week, who cruised to a record-setting 19-9 victory at Whistling Straits behind six rookie performers and three others who had played in the Ryder Cup just once. These two men, Brooks Kopka and Bryson DeChambeau, who have had a little bit of friction, uh, put that one to bed in their post-game ceremony. I think before this is all over, we should have uh, Brooks and Bryson hug in the middle of the room <laughs> to prove how much of a team we are. They're going to hug, right? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we? There you go. Should we get the trophy in the middle? Here you go. Hold the trophy in the middle. In the middle. Hey! You know what, like Mickelson and Woods, I don't mind rivalry. So if the DeChambeau-Kopka era is over, kind of hurts a little bit, even though I'm sure it's good for the game. Uh, by the way, for the Americans, enjoy this one. Next stop is Rome in 2023. It has been 30 years since the Americans have won a Ryder Cup in Europe. All right, to a sport that we probably should give more coverage to and don't, but every once in a while we'll step up and let you know when there's a quote-unquote upset even though I don't know if this really is one. Alexander Yusik scored a big upset win over Anthony Joshua on Saturday night, not only taking away the WBA, the IBF, and the WBO heavyweight titles away from Joshua, but he also becomes just the third boxer in history to become an undisputed cruiserweight champion and then go on to win a heavyweight title. Yeah, Yusik is 19-0 with 13 knockouts. And he was so much better than Anthony Joshua, who falls to 24-2 with 22 knockouts. He won a unanimous decision and did so in Anthony Joshua's backyard at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. 117-112, 116-112, and 115-113. Those were the judges' cards, all in favor of the fighter from the Ukraine. Joshua was bigger. Joshua had more wins. The, even the boxing community came out on social media afterwards and talked about how dominating it was. Lennox Lewis said, Yusik put on Boxing 101. 
to describe a clinic. Oscar De La Hoya said, congratulations, Yuska. Keep your head up, Anthony Joshua. And Tenny Atlas, the man with a big voice, says, congratulations to Yusik. He did what I had predicted he would do, win the heavyweight title as Holyfield did after being a cruiserweight champion. And also, congratulations to the judges. You didn't screw it up. All right, let's go to the Octagon very quickly. It was a fight that I think a lot of us from, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years ago would have liked to have seen. I don't know if we wanted to see it in 2021. Six years after he left the game, Nick Diaz went back into the Octagon and took on a man that he defeated 17 years earlier, Robbie Lawler. They fought at UFC 266. And yeah, it was a little bit slow. It wasn't what they were 17 years ago. But they did go toe-to-toe -to -toe for about 11 minutes. And as good as Diaz still is, he ate a boatload of shots. And finally, in the third, after taking a knee shortly, he just didn't want to get back up. He didn't have anything to prove. And basically, Lawler walks away with a victory. But it was what he said after the fight that I thought was... I, I don't want to call it sad, but it was really telling of the UFC right now. Diaz says, quote, I don't know how this fight got set up. I'm glad I at least put on a show. I had a lot of stress coming into this one. I don't have no excuses. I had a long time off. I knew it was coming. I don't know how this fight got set up. I had to switch up my whole management team and my whole setup the way that the fight was set. It was just a bum rap. No excuses. I had it coming. He was in great shape. I knew I was leaking here, so I didn't want to make too much of a mess, but I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad I put on a little show for you. He basically goes on to say over the course of the interview that there's no way for him to get out of the game because of the sponsors and because of the money and because of everything that is out there on his name. Sad. But again, back in April of 2004, Diaz was able to knock out Lawler, which was one of the fights that put him on a very quick trajectory towards the top. And finally, we go to the WNBA. After a playoff elimination, Seattle Storm guard Sue Bird, one of the most recognizable faces in the game, uh, saying, you know what, she's not going to make an emotional decision about her playing future, but it could be her last game as a professional basketball player. She says, quote, I've been really trying to push away those thoughts. The minute I even let myself think about it, it makes me want to cry. This is the first offseason where I feel like I really need to truly weigh it. Usually I'm like, nope, one more year. If I feel good, I'll be there. But this is the first time where I'm really going to have to sit back, see how I feel, weigh some things out. I know for sure that I will not let the emotion of this season make that decision for me. Bird turns 41 in October. She just completed her 18th WNBA season. All of those have been with Seattle, the team that drafted her number one overall out of UConn back in 2002. Now, last year, she did battle knee issues that limited her to just 11 of the Storm's final 20 regular season games. This year, she was much healthier. She played in 30 of the Storm's 32 regular season games and, if you remember, was at the Tokyo Games where she earned her fifth Olympic gold medal. I don't think she's got anything left to prove. If she wants to play, it is simply because she wants to play. Love it. That's how an athlete should go out on their own terms if, in fact, she's ready to go out on her own terms. All right, let's wrap this up. There you go, man. I got you through a lot of sports. I'm counting nine, which is not bad for a quick podcast here on a Monday morning. I hope you're well. And yes, we're in the fall. You're going to have to start buckling up. The one thing that I was going to say, and I saw a couple of accidents this past weekend, as we start to slip and slide on these roads, got to remember it was a really hot summer, and now all of a sudden you're going to put a little bit of precipitation on these roads. They're slick. 
so please drive with caution. Please drive a little bit slower. Don't be right on that guy's bumper in front of you. Make sure that you can all get there safely. And uh, again, bundle up. It's getting colder and colder each and every day. I'll be with you each and every day. Look forward to doing this again tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. For another edition of Sports Bar Radio, my thanks to Jay Swing, producer extraordinaire, the brother from another mother. I want to thank everybody at Equity Guru, to Chris Perry. Thank you for everything you do. And had a great time with them watching a little Lucha Libre this weekend downtown. And to everybody at Equity Guru, including Asan, uh, JP Chung, Galen, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until you and I do this again, just hours from now, I'm Rob Faye, and thank you for being a part of this day's edition of Sports Bar Radio. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself. We are just days away from Vancouver's newest wrestling extravaganza as NEW2 is set for the Vancouver Convention Center on both October the 9th and October the 10th. Featuring El Fantasmo and Impact Wrestling's Josh Alexander. Saturday night, we packed the convention center with eight amazing matches featuring some of Canada's most exciting indie wrestlers. Tickets are on sale now at nationextremewrestling.com.